we're finishing up um, talking about our vision statement. And our vision statement gives clarity of why we are here at Mission Valley. You know, all churches pretty much exist for the same reason, but we at Mission Valley here are unique, where God has called us to uh, have a certain vision. And a lot of times our vision or what we do is unique because of all of you um, here, that God is bringing all of you here with different gifts, different passions, and j- different dreams. And as a church, we incorporate that, and you help us become who God wants us um, to be. And our vision statement is being a loving community that invites and challenges people to live like Christ. And today we're going to talk about what it means to live like Christ. That's the exclamation part of our vision statement. That's why we exist, to help you live like Christ so you could do what? Help others live like Christ. And, you know, when you talk about it, that's a pretty broad subject, and you can spend a whole sermon series on just that. But we're just going to uh, look at three things that I've chosen that could help us live like Christ. There are a lot more, and I hope you, in your own studies, that you learn those too. But the first thing I want to talk about is how do we live like Christ is living like Christ requires us to live with our new identity in Christ. Okay? Living like Christ requires us to live with our new identity in Christ. Now, we gain our identity from, you know, a lot of different things. We gain our identity or who we are based upon experiences, both positive and negative. You know, our, our ethnicity, our gender, our career, our social status, our geographic location, our age. And there are so many different things that we experience And that who we are, that creates our identity. And the reason this is important, because usually how we see ourselves, how we see our identity, is how we act. And so this is why if you are to live as Jesus Christ, it's so important to have your new identity based in Jesus Christ. And not what this world says that you should be. You know, Dr. Neil Anderson, you know, says this. He says, one thing all struggling Christians have is that they do not know their identity in Christ. Now, he's a Christian counselor. He's an author of many, you know, books. And he's um, interviewed hundreds and hundreds of Christians. And especially if you read the letters that people write to him about their struggles in their faith. And he was saying throughout his career, the one thing that all Christians have when they are struggling, maybe they feel that they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not beautiful enough, they're not successful enough. He says whenever they struggle, there's that one thing, is that they do not know their identity in Christ. So my guess is if you are struggling right now with who you are as a person, if you are a believer, I would say that holds true for you too. And, that, and, and I'm not just talking to you because I lived my life struggling with hearing all of these negative voices. You know, I'm probably my biggest critic up here and as a pastor, where I hear these negative voices, where, you know, I, you know, I praise you and thank you for the compliments and words of affirmation, right? You know, I may get 20 of them, but I get one criticism, and that just wipes out, you know, the 20 compliments. But that's just, you know, how, you know, the, our enemy gets into my head, and I am not living with my new identity 
in Jesus Christ. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17, the apostle says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Now, when you say new creation, we're talking about something totally new. Okay? We're not talking about a pair of converse. Okay? You get a pair of converse. They get old. They get dirty. And then you buy a new pair of converse. Well, it's the same thing, except it's just new. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about when you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are a totally new creature or creation. And to illustrate this, could you put up the next picture, please? Now, this is a Cessna. You know, some of you have seen this. Maybe if you go to these small municipal airports, have you seen these on uh, movies? But this Cessna, it's a propeller-powered um, aircraft, but it carries, you know, um, two passengers and one crew. So you could have one pilot and two passengers. So it holds a maximum of three people. The maximum range of this Cessna is about 414 nautical miles. That's about from here to San Francisco. The maximum speed is 110 miles per hour. The maximum height or ceiling is 14,700 feet. Okay? So this is a Cessna. You see what it could do. Now, that's the old creation. This is the new creation. Okay? This is a Boeing 787 Dreamliner. This plane could hold, well, depends on the configuration, could hold about 296 passengers. It could go 7,565 nautical miles. That's the equivalent of going from Los Angeles to Melbourne, Australia. It, uh, its cruising speed is 560 miles an hour. But it's crazy that one time this caught a tailwind and it was actually going 800 miles an hour because the tailwind was pushing it and it has a ceiling of 43,000 feet. Yes, it's an airplane, but it's something that's totally new, right? Now, could the 787 fly with three with just three passengers? Yes, it could. But why would it do that when it could hold close to 300 passengers? Could it fly from Los Angeles to San Francisco, like a Cessna could do, easily. But there is no airline that's going to fly it from L.A. to San Francisco, because that's a waste of this aircraft, right? Could it fly at 110 miles an hour? I'm, you know, I'm not too sure on that, but I'm sure if you configure its flaps, you know, right, it probably could fly at 110 miles per hour. But why would you do that when you could be flying so much faster? You know, you know the uh, Cessna could only fly to a height of 14,000. 787, 43,000. Could it fly at 14,000? Of course it could. But why would it do that? The air's thicker there. It meets more resistance. It's not as fuel efficient at 14,000 feet. You guys get what I'm trying to say here? You have your old self and you have the new self. Could you act as your old self? Of course you could, but why would you? Why would you? And there are times when we do, 
There are times where we do. But our new identity is not a Cessna. Okay? We shouldn't be living our lives thinking, oh, I could only go from L.A. to San Francisco. Our new identity says, no, you're a 787 Dreamliner. You could easily fly from L.A. to Tokyo. That's what you should be doing. When you take a look at what God is calling you to do, don't look at L.A. to San Francisco. Look at L.A. to Melbourne. Why? Because that is your new identity. And so many times when we get caught up in our old identity, we get stuck. You know, we put up these barriers. I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I'm going to fail. Man, I can't even go to San Francisco. Okay, how about L.A. to San Diego? Could the Dreamliner fly to L.A. to San Diego? Of course it could, but it would be a big waste. And once again, that would be a big waste for us as disciples of Jesus Christ if we are constantly living with our old identity because identity determines the way you act. And here um, in Romans 8.15, it says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and we cry, Abba, Father. I love this. We sang this lo- uh, song last year, uh, last year, last Sunday, right? And I just, you know, was in th- this time where I was like doubting myself. Because sometimes I do that. You doubt yourself as, man, am I an effective pastor? Oh, Lord, I've got to make these decisions this week. If, I, if it goes across wrong, this is going to really blow up. So then there was a certain sense of fear. And so, p- praise God, I have, I am no longer a slave to fear on my I on my iPhone. And so I remember I was just listening to it over and over and over and over for hours that I am a child of God. And then afterwards, it's like your spirit is lifted. Why? Because I was operating in my identity that I was a child of God, that I was a 787 uh, Dreamliner and not a Cessna, that yes, I I was going to have some pretty big challenges this week. And you know what? God Oh my gosh, he exceeded my expectations. Because here, uh, this week I was thinking, the glass is half empty. So I was thinking of, okay, Lord, I've got to make this decision. It's a big one. And I was thinking of all the ways it could go wrong. And that's what I was thinking. I never thought of all the ways it could go right. I don't think I ever thought, hey, you know, this would be a great thing. I just thought of all the ways it could go wrong. But then when it, you know, I remember before I had to talk to this individual, I came into the sanctuary and I just prayed. I said, God, please give me the words. You know, I'm going to be an arbitrator in this one thing. And if it goes south, it could be really big. But you know what? God did something that was so much abundantly greater than I could ever imagine. And that's our identity, that we don't have to live in fear. Right? And then this, uh, Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. Now, it's interesting. You know, I grew up as the son of Thomas and Jan Fukuyama, right? And yes, there are times when I didn't get along with my parents, there were a lot of times when, you know, I just said, okay, I'm leaving. When I was five, I said, I got some money. I'm leaving. And so I got my a little, like a towel. I put some things in it and tied it on a stick like a hobo, put it over my back, and I just left the apartment, right? And all the time I was looking back to see where my mom was, 
and she wasn't there. So I keep walking, 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 and then I run back, but I didn't realize that she was following me all the time, right? But you know what? No matter what I did, I was always, always going to be their biological child. There's nothing that I could do to change that, right? You know, my successes and failures had nothing to do with that, but I was their child. And that's the same thing with us, is that we are a child of God, and there's nothing we could do to change that. We were adopted into his family. God is not going to, God does not treat us as a product that breaks down and said, oh my gosh, the warranty's over. I'm sending you back. He doesn't do that. We are God's child forever, right? And that's part of our identity. It says, but our, you know, in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from here, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you felt, ever felt that you don't belong here? You know that, oh man, you know, I'm weird. I don't belong here. I feel awkward here. Well, Scripture tells us we should. Why? Because this is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. It is not here, right? You know, I was just talking with somebody about, um, you know, traveling and vacations. And, you know, they're talking about all the places that they want to go visit. But, you know, when you go to a visit, when you go on a vacation to a foreign country, it's not like you say, you know what, I want to take out the want ads to look for a job. You don't look at the real estate uh, section to say, you know, wow, what's the land prices? I'm going to buy a house. No, we don't do that. Why? Because we are just passing through. Well, you know, the same thing with us here. We are just passing through. Our identity should not be connected to this earth, but our identity should be connected what? In the heavenly realms, right? So that's the first thing. And then living like Christ requires us to think like Christ. We have to think like Christ because we do what we think. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, now it's interesting here. The word transform is the same word that we use for metamorphosis, right? For those of you who remember back in your elementary school days, this is when you had what? You know, we had like the silkworms and we bought the mulberry leaves. We put them in this, you know, little container. And so we just watched them eat at this voracious rate. And then all of a sudden what? They turn into a cocoon and then... I think they're a moth, right? And not a butterfly. I think they're a moth, right? But they change into something completely different. Once again, our identity in Christ is uh, something that's completely different in that we are a new creation. Once again, the way we think that God is transforming our mind so we would be something, once again, totally different, right? And I just want to read a list from um, Neil Anderson's book, uh, Victory Over Darkness. And one of the things he says that our, um, uh, we should be transforming in our mind is that I have been completely justified, meaning in God's sight, I am not guilty. I am a saint. How many of you think you're a saint? Really? You know that's what the Bible says, right? 
But how many times do we view ourselves as sinners? Our identity is a, I'm a sinner. My identity is one who makes mistakes. That's not our identity in Christ. That's our old identity. Our new identity is that we're a saint, right? Because, you know, you see Paul, he goes, he never writes to the sinners in Ephesus, to the saints. So that's our identity. You know, I am complete in Christ. There is nothing we are lacking to make God love us more. There's nothing in our lives that we are lacking that would make God even more proud of us. We are complete in Christ. I am free from condemnation. Isn't that great? That you will never, ever, 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 as a child of God, be condemned by God. Why? Because he paid for our sins on the cross. How many of them? Some of them? Most of them? No, all of them. All of them. I cannot be separated from the love of God. There's nothing on this earth that could separate you from the love of God. Not, do, not your bad actions, not your sins, not anything. You are a child of God, and you're forever a child of God. I am the salt and light of the earth. Okay, if God, if the God is transforming you to think like that, to have the mind of Christ, I am the salt and, mind, uh, salt and light of the earth. How does that affect the way you live? That all of your actions, people are going to be looking at. Why? Because you're this light. All of your actions, people are going to take notice because you're salt. They're going, ah, whoa, okay, I could taste that. I could taste that. The same with us. And the beautiful thing is you're not transforming your mind because it says be transformed. You are not doing the work, so stop trying. Who's doing the work? The Holy Spirit. Who is responsible for your transformation? The Holy Spirit. Who's the one who began a good work in you and will see it to completion? You? No. The Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. 1 Corinthians um, 2.16. Who has known the mind of the Lord so, to, so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And there are several principles I wanted to talk about here. It says, the mind of Christ stands in stark contrast with the wisdom of the world. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 2, 5 through 6. So once again, if you are living your life and you take a look at your values, you take a look at your decision making, you take a look at what you do, and if you look at all of your unchurched friends and it's pretty, you don't see a difference, then it's a, okay. Something's not right here. Why? Because if we have the mind of Christ, it stands in stark contrast with the wisdom of this world. The mind of Christ is given to believers through the Spirit of God. Only believers can have the mind of Christ. And so when you're going to somebody for advice, and, you know, I do go to some of my unchurched friends for advice, but you know, when you really need advice, when you're trying to struggle with where you are in your faith, your church friends do not have the mind of Christ. They cannot tell you what they believe God is telling you. God, 
Only those who are believers have the mind of Christ. And finally, the mind of Christ gives believers discernment in spiritual matters. So some of us who are struggling spiritually, we have all we need to help us through our struggles. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. And then having the mind of Christ leads to a life, to, to life and peace. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind, once again mind, governed by the spirit is life and peace. So if you are living with the mind of Christ, there is a life to you. There's a joy to you that no matter what's happening in your life, you are experiencing life. This is when you choose the things over the spirit, over the things that uh, you choose over the, the flesh. And how many of us have been there? Word, isn't it just wonderful to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Right? Because what? We are experiencing the life that God always wanted us to have. But a lot of times we don't, and I'm included. Why? Because I'm living under my old identity. Right? I'm not living with the mind of Christ. I am living with my old sinful nature. My sinful nature that is still within me. I'm living with that. So there is no life. But also it says if you, have, if you are living with the mind of Christ, it gives you what? It gives you peace. Last week, obviously, I wasn't living with the mind of Christ because I had no peace. I, I was just anxious. I was negative, right? And why is that? Because sin separates us from God who is the source of our peace. Now, it doesn't, um, it doesn't uh, separate us with our identity. Our identity is I'm a child of God. However, when we sin, what it does, it breaks the fellowship that we have with God, right? And until we say we're sorry, that fellowship is broken. We're still a child of God. We're still a child of God, but that fellowship is broken. So if you're not experiencing peace right now, maybe that's something that you and I need to take a look at. Because if we had the mind of Christ, it says right here in Scripture that the mind of Christ results in what? Results in peace. But having the mind of Christ is also, like I said, what you do. Meaning that what did Jesus do before his ministry? He was a carpenter, right? And that's what he did. And I'm sure, you know, I would always wanted to see what kind of carpenter was Jesus, was he the one that measured twice and cut once? Or was he like me? Eyeball it. Okay, let's cut. Oh, I made a mistake and boom. Now we all know that Jesus didn't sin. So my guess is that, well, he didn't have to measure. He probably knew the right measurements anyway. You know, he didn't make a mistake. But, you know, he was a carpenter. Having the mind of Christ also means in whatever you're doing right now, how would Jesus be doing it? If you're a teacher... How would Jesus be a teacher? If you're a music, musician, what would Jesus be like as a musician? If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, what would Jesus be as a grandparent? Your accountant, what kind of accountant would Jesus be? And that's what it means to have the mind of Christ. It just doesn't have anything to do with, you know, our spiritual things we do in a church where I don't think there should be any separation between what we do in the church and who we are outside. But for those of you who are still working right now in your profession, what would Jesus be like in your profession? 
would he and you line up? Or would there be like, whoa, there's this big gap between the, count, the kind of financial guy that Jesus would be and the kind of financial person that I am? You pick. But having the mind of Christ um, is like that. That we see things that through the mind of Jesus. How would Jesus be doing this? I'm a student. What kind of student would Jesus be? Living like Christ, and finally, living like Christ requires us to be totally dependent on God. John 15, starting with verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that he does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now this is key. Apart from, if you're not... Uh, plugged in, if you're not remaining in your relationship with Jesus, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot live like Jesus if you are not plugged into the vine. You know, John says it right here. And so how do we plug ourselves in the vine? We live a life in obedience to Jesus. We live our lives in a close relationship with Jesus. We take the word, we look at it, and we are not just hearers of the word, we are doers of the word. Right? We obey God's word. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but we obey God's word. We read it and we obey it. We're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, when I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm not just talking about one that's up here in our mind. Because so many of us, that's where our relationship is with Jesus Christ. We read the word. We know a lot about Jesus. But we don't experience Jesus in the relationship that we see men and women in the Bible. Right? And that's something that I always long for. And in my prayers, I said, God, you know, I just want that relationship. I, I, I just want to be close to you. I want to be able to hear from you. I want to be able to talk to you. I wish, you know, you could talk to me like the way you talked with, you know, Elijah. And I said, God, I know that's not the way you work now, but I would love to have that. You know, to be able to have that relationship, you know, with God. And he provides that for us. Because why? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, right? But the problem is... we submit to our old identity. Instead of having the mind of Christ, we have the mind of our own self. And so this is really important, that we need to be totally dependent on Jesus Christ. Now the problem is our own success, our own skills, you know, our own talents, our own intelligence gets in the way. Why? Because we think that we could do it on our own. That we have what it takes to make the decisions to get us through life. We have what it takes to have, 
to live like Christ. Well, John reminds us that apart from Christ, we could do nothing. And you already know that. I know that. But maybe this is just a reminder. Maybe you were like me last week when I forgot about that. When I was trying to use my intellect, when I was trying to use my negotiating skills to try to figure out how I was going to solve this problem. We all do that. We have to remind her that we have to remind ourselves that we can't do anything without remaining in Christ, being in that relationship. But it's not easy. It's not easy because we struggle with, on a constant basis, we struggled with a world that is filled with sin. This isn't a perfect world we live in. It's not a fair world. It's a world that is filled with sin, and we have to live in this world. We're, constant, and we're in constantly battling our old nature, our sinful nature. It's still there. Right? We, ha- we constantly live with an incorrect identity. And also we have to contend with the dark spiritual forces that are waging war against us. Right, And so those are the things that makes living like Christ difficult. And what I think a lot of us struggle with is when we take a look at it, we think that, okay, we're here, and that if I grow in Christ, it's this perfect straight line up. Right? That, hey, I'm just growing in Christ, I'm living like Christ, I'm just... We think it's like that. And if it's not, then we think, oh my goodness, I'm a horrible Christian. But really, it's like a roller coaster. It's like this, right? That's our Christian life. Actually, it's more like, look at my life. It's more like this, right? Am I closer to God than I was when I came to know him when I was 18? Yes, I am. But when 18 to 61, it wasn't a straight line. It was all over the place. But this was my journey, you know, with Jesus. This is what it meant for me to live like Jesus, to learn from my mistakes, to go before God with my brokenness and all of that, and to say, God, forgive me, and to receive God's mercy, God's forgiveness, to be able to pick myself and to move forward, to be a part of God's community here who showed me love and mercy and, you know, accepted me who I was and helped me along the journey, even though I was all over the place. That is what living like Jesus Christ is like. It's not this perfect, you know, there are going to be times when you're confused. There are going to be times when you're scared. There are going to be times when you feel guilty. There are going to be times when you feel the shame, right? There are times when you fail. But whenever we do that, what do we go back to? We don't go to our old identity. What do we go through? We go to what the scripture says that God says about us. That is our new identity. So if you're struggling right now, go to God's word. See what God says about you because those are promises. And God never breaks his promises. So what's a weekly challenge? I'd like us to read 2 Corinthians 5.17, Romans 8.15-16, Philippians 3.20, Romans 12.2, 1 Corinthians 2.16, and John 15.1-8. I know that's a, a lot of verses. But there are so many others that um, you know, talk about what it means to have, to have your identity in Christ, Right? Romans is a great 
book to look at. Presently, where do you get your identity from and how has it affected your action? If you were to take a look at right now, the things that you are going through, it doesn't matter your work, your school, your relationship, where are you getting your identity? As a student, as a child, as a parent, grandparent, worker, where are you getting your identity from? And how has that affected your actions? Because it does. Are you currently spirit, uh, feeling spiritually alive and experiencing the peace of God? If not, pray Psalm 139, 23 through 24. I do this all this time, all the time, because there are so many things in my life that where I sin that is separating me from the fellowship of God that is not giving me peace, that is not giving me life, and I don't even know it because I'm sinning. But I don't even know what I'm doing. And so what, is, what Psalm 139 does is you are going to God and you're asking God to reveal anything inside of you that is offensive to or a sin. And trust me, God does that. And the reason I do it regularly, because if I spread it out over a long period of time, I guarantee you, if you pray this prayer, God's going to let you know. Right? If you if you don't pray if you pray this prayer every year, then it's like you know, it's like, okay, God, stop. I know it. But if you do this every single day, it's like, okay, God, yes, I did this, but I'm a child of God. I I I bring myself and this action, I lay it at your feet, I ask for your forgiveness, and boom, fellowship is restored. Right? Do that. I mean, if there's anything that I want you to do this week, it's that. It's that. Read Psalm 139, 23 through 24, and don't just read it. Pray it. Pray it as your prayer. Worship team, please come forward. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that in your word, that your word tells us who we are in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, that we're not losers, we're not sinners, we're not failures, we're not rejects, but we are your child. We are your child. We are dearly loved. Father, you are so proud of us. And Father, there are so many wonderful plans that you have for us. And I'd like you just to take a few minutes right now and think about how you view your relationship with God. Do you spend a lot of time focusing on your own identity that puts all these limitations on you? Where in these voices, the only words you hear are, I can't, I can't. I can't. And just right now, I just want you to think of something that's going in your life where you think, or the voices are, I can't. Gracious Heavenly Father, for everyone here who has areas in our lives, including myself, where I look at the situation and I say, I can't. 
I can't. Father, I pray against that, for that is coming from the enemy and it's not coming from you. Father, for we are your children. And Father, you did not give us a spirit of fear. That is, comes with our own identity. So for all of us who are saying, I can't, or we're afraid to fail, Father, would you replace that with your new identity, that I could do all things through Christ Jesus, that you will give us what we need when we need it that we don't have to look at all of the things that could go wrong, but, Father, we could look at all of the areas where we could see you work. We could see you transform our lives. And, Father, even though we do fail, even though we do make mistakes, you never waste them. And that becomes a part of who we are, and we learn from them. And that bring, those things, our failures, our mistakes, bring us back to you. But it's out of love. Where you say, perfect love casts out fear. So, Lord, we thank you for that. And, Father, I pray that each person here this week will take small steps to live in their new identity in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, that we will take on the mind of Christ and not, Father, listen to our old mind. Father, that we would see ourselves as a totally new creation that's very different and not even close to what we were. And finally, Father, would you, as hard as it might be, would you allow us to live a life that is totally dependent on you and your word? And may you grant us the courage to, obe to be obedient to your word. In your son's name I pray, amen.